If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We've got the scriptures. We'll throw them up here on the screen, and uh, we'll do that. But, um, all righty. I'm a little bit, uh, kind of a cold this week. So it'll give me, take me a few minutes, and then I'll get all crazy, okay? But, uh, yeah, I'm going to start by jogging, and then, I'll, then we'll, we'll sprint. But, uh, anyways, I'm glad you're here. And the Lord has been get, just releasing so much breakthrough here in our church. Honestly, the last number of weeks, we've just been going after things that have been strongholds in our life. And I've been talking to many of you as the Lord has been showing you things that are going on in your own life. And the Lord has been showing you how to get free. It's been really exciting to hear how, what God's doing in your life. But basically, the Lord has been teaching us how to overcome strongholds and lies, sin, and things that are in us that are very common for all of us to struggle with, the Lord's been showing us how to break through those things and to overcome those things by walking in the Spirit. Just like Galatians 5.16 says, it says that uh, Paul said, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. And we've been learning that, that now that we're new creations in Christ Jesus, now that we're connected to Jesus, all of our sin is forgiven. But not only are we forgiven, but the Lord has given us power by His Spirit to overcome these things and to gain victory. We've been talking about getting victory over anger, fear, anxiety. But it could be anything. It could be pride. It could be gossip. It could be things, emotional things. It could be sinful things that you're just saying, Lord, I want to get free. The Lord wants you to get free. And the Lord is showing us how to walk in freedom. That even though we have this flesh, we have these old ways of thinking and these old habits and these broken things in our hearts that bring brokenness on our relationships. Even though we have those things, the Lord has given us a way to gain victory, and that's by walking in the Spirit. And so in this series, not only have we said, hey, this is generally how you walk in the Spirit. A lot of, if you remember, in January, we covered a number of principles of what it means to walk in the Spirit. But these last number of weeks, we've been going after specific things, haven't we? And many of you relate to them. You know, I, 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 was, uh, I was talking with a, uh, an awesome man of God before I preached on anger, and he said, do you really think a lot of people like, struggle with anger in our church? And I said, more than you know. More than, more than I know, to be honest with you. And so even as I went after these things, the only reason I went after anger, for example, is because I knew in my spirit, I knew from the Holy Spirit, that that, that was something that we all need to get free from. There's things that God needs to heal in us. And then, like I said, we went after fear and, and things like that. Now, if you want those CDs, or let's say that spoke, like you, you just like, man, I needed to hear that message. You don't have to just let that be one time. You can go on the internet, on our website, and listen to that message. Uh, you can go get the CD in the back. But you can listen to it more than once and let the Lord continue to speak to you. Because in those messages, what have we gone over? We've gone over three things that the Lord wants to do from his word. We know that everything we need is in Jesus. He's on our side, and we know that Jesus is leading us to that freedom right there in the Word of God. And we've said that from the Word of God, Jesus wants to show us three things. Number one, he wants to expose those lies that we believe, right? He wants to expose what the root of that sin is because we need to see sin for what it is, don't we? A lot of times where we'll agree with sin without even realizing it, we'll believe those lies, or we won't realize what sin really is doing to us. And until you see it as an enemy... You're not going to resist it, right? If you think it's supposed to be living there in your house, you won't do anything about it. So we need to see sin for what it is. We need to see it as an enemy. And the, and the Bible actually exposes sin and exposes those lies. 
Number two, we need the truth of God's word to show us who we are in Christ and the promises and the power that's available to us. You know that for everything that we might struggle with, there is a promise of God to set you free. And there is power and there is truth in the word of God. Like we looked at when Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then number three, we saw that we need to know strategies that all the commandments and the principles of wisdom in the Bible are not rules to oppress us, but rather strategies. Jesus is like our coach, training us and teaching us to get stronger so that we can come against our enemy and get free. Amen? All right? And so it's like being in a wrestling match. We've talked about it. It's like being in a wrestling match, and that when we're not in Christ, our opponent has just got us pinned to the ground, and we're just in bondage to that sin. But when we get... When, when we come to Jesus, the Lord frees us from bondage to that sin, and then he starts training us. And even though we wrestle still, we still wrestle with that flesh, we don't have to be oppressed by fear. We don't have to be oppressed by sin. We don't have to be oppressed by any of these things anymore. But now, as we walk in the Spirit and we see the lie and we see the truth, and the Lord begins to give us strategies, now we can wrestle and we can gain the upper hand. We can pin that thing to the ground, right? And so today, what the Lord showed me that he wants me to go after today, very specifically, is lust. Lust. And um, we're going to go after this thing. Now, uh, most of you guys know me, and if you don't, you're going to find out in just a second. I'm pretty straight up, and I can get kind of intense. I mean, I'm intense when I'm telling you God loves you, right? And I'm intense when I'm telling you something is sin, Yeah? I'm just straight up. So today, for those of you who don't know, but even if you do know, I'm going to be pretty straight up, right? And I'm going to go after lust. Now, I'm going to attack that lie. I'm going to attack that sin called lust because it's an enemy of God and it's an enemy of your own soul. And, but I just want you to know that as I'm going after it, I'm not attacking you, but I'm attacking the sin. I'm attacking the lie. Sometimes when we agree with sin and somebody goes after the sin, we'll feel like I'm being attacked, right? Because we're in agreement with that sin. But I basic, I'm going to assume that you're like me, that you're here because you're hungry for God and you want freedom. And, I, and by the way, I don't assume that necessarily everybody deals with, with lust. But a lot of times in our culture, lust is very rampant in some de- to some degree or other in our hearts. And, like I said before, that one of the reasons we're going after these issues specifically is because, let's say you're like, well, I don't have lust or whatever, you know, right? Yeah, but there are other strongholds you might have, and as I go through these principles, you can relate it to something that you need freedom for, right? So I'm going through these things specifically to go after them and cut them off, but I'm also, by going through these specific issues in our life, it models for you how to get free. Like, you might say, well, I don't struggle with lust, but man, I got pride, Praise God. You can do the same thing. What's the lie? What's the truth? What's the strategy, right? So as I go through this, I believe that the Lord's going to speak to you. Many of you, he's going to just cut that stuff off of your heart, lust, and yet some of you, it's going to be something else the Lord's going to speak to you. Amen? All right? So let's open our hearts and receive that from the Lord. So Father, we invite you to speak to us. Lord, we don't close our hearts up right now, but we open our hearts, and we thank you that you want us to be free. Because you want us to be blessed, you want us to be whole, you want to bless our relationships, and you want us to be a blessing. And so we open our hearts to all that you have for us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right. So um, starting there in uh, Matthew chapter 5, 
Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, starting in verse starting in verse 27. Starting in verse 27, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, pluck, or if your right eye, I'm sorry, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Boy, Jesus takes lust pretty seriously, doesn't he? He, he takes it pretty seriously. Now listen, look what he says here in verse 28. I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Now, obviously, he's directing this to men primarily, although the principle could apply either way. But notice what he's trying to say. He's saying that even adultery, right, marital unfaithfulness, cheating on someone else, is rooted in something going on inside of our hearts. Right? He, 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 he hits the root issue of sexual sin. Sex outside of the covenant of marriage. He says that it's rooted in lust. What is that? What is that? Notice that he says that it is already adultery for a man to look at a woman to lust for her. Now, it's interesting. He doesn't say, for example, he doesn't say if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. I find that to be significant as we're trying to unpack. What, What is he actually talking about? I think most of us, we probably know. But look at this. He says, if a man looks at a woman, not with lust, not with the noun. He doesn't use the noun lust. He uses the verb. He says, if a man looks at a woman to lust. To lust. That's a verb. It's a verb. And it's referring to, and actually in the Greek, the grammatical construction, uh, there's a preposition there and then then an infinitive verb. And it's referring to to look at someone with the purpose, with the intent to lust. And so he's saying, men, that if a man looks at a woman and he looks at her with the desire, with the purpose, checking her out and, 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 and looking at her as a sexual object, treating her not as a human being, not as a sister in Christ, but looking at another woman who's not your, your spouse, not your wife, with the intent to desire her sexually, Jesus says you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. That's pretty intense, huh? Because he says the very heart of this issue of adultery and sexual sin is rooted in selfishness and lustful desire. The word lust there just means desire. What's being implied, of course, is to desire that person sexually. To basically fantasize about that person in a sexual way. And he says, if you're already doing it in your head, if you're already fantasizing about it, and you're already wanting to go down that road, you've already been unfaithful 
through the person that you're in covenant with. This applies to those of you who are single. If they're not your spouse, then it's a lust and it's adultery. And if you're married and they're not your spouse, it's a lust and it's adultery. And so what Jesus is getting at is how serious this sin is. So serious that he uses a hyperbole, of course. He's not necessarily saying to literally cut, off your eye, cut out your eye and cut off your hand. But he's trying to use an extreme to get your attention. Trying to say that this is so dangerous. This is so destructive. That if you struggle with looking where you shouldn't look. Or acting on that lust. Right? Premarital sex. Fornication. Adultery. If you act on it. That you should take it so seriously that you'd be willing to cut out your own eye or cut off your hand because it would be better for you to do that than to keep sinning and to go to hell. Yeah, did he say that? That's pretty intense, yeah? Let me tell you, there, honestly, people will say this. People say, well, all sin is the same, right, Dave? All sin is the same. No, no, all sin is not the same. The wages of sin is death, and so the penalty of sin is the same. When we stand before God, whether you are like a liar or a murderer, when you stand before God, if you don't have Christ, yeah, the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is the same. Oh, but listen to me. No, not all sin is the same. And lust and its manifestation, acting it out, is one of the most destructive sins in our world. Just think about it. What's on the news? Think about the brokenness in our world for a second. I'm telling you, Jesus and the rest of the Bible make it very clear that you don't want to play with this one. Right? And yet, it's probably one of the most rampant sins in the world and in the church. So here we have one of the most deadliest poisons, and many of us are struggling with it. It's a serious issue, and that's what Jesus is trying to get at. Now let's talk about this thing of lust. When he says if you look to lust, you look with the intent to lust, it's already adultery. See... The problem, the problem with that is that it's selfish. And what we're going for is pleasure outside of relationship. See, we were created by God to be connected to God and to be enjoyed by God and to enjoy God. And we were created by God to be connected to one other person in a covenant of marriage. The Bible says that, that uh, this is why he created them male and female. And that when they, when they make that covenant of marriage, Jesus says that God joins them and makes them one flesh. And then Jesus says in Matthew 19, what God has joined, let no man separate. There is literally this very powerful, beautiful thing that happens 
when two people covenant to one another, husband and wife, and they covenant to one another, the Bible says that they literally become one flesh. One flesh. It's an amazing, beautiful thing that happens, the way God intended it to be, that these two people join themselves together and God binds them together at the deepest level. At the deepest level. There's no more powerful human bond than the husband and wife, and the only one closer would be the children that come from that. That family bond where literally a husband and wife who were not biologically related become one flesh and get knit together in a very powerful way. Sex is the consummation of that. And it was intended to bind these two together in covenant. And sex is to be the mutual enjoyment between these two people in covenant. It's powerful. Powerful. And God, the way he created things, is that when pleasure is in relationship, where we are responsible to one another, where we are covenanted to one another, and we are faithful to one another, it is powerful and it is beautiful. But when pleasure is outside of relationship, it is destructive. And when pleasure is outside of covenant, outside of responsibility, it is destructive. And that is what lust is. It is wanting pleasure without the responsibility of a covenanted relationship. It's wanting the gratification without a commitment to another person. You see? Let me illustrate this from science. It's awesome. Nowadays, people are being able to study what's going on in our minds chemically. Now, we're not just a a physical being, right? But we are physical. We're we're a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. So I love it because science can actually see and study the manifestation of what's going on in our soul in our physical body. Science has been able to see what's going on in our brains and what's going on in the chemicals in our body, and they are a manifestation or a byproduct of deep emotional and relational things going on, right? And they just simply verify what God already said in his word, yeah? So here's what's supposed to happen. Husband and wife come together, and what happens when two people are making love is that there is a release of four main chemicals in our bodies, in our brains, in our bodies. The first one is dopamine. The second one is serotonin. The third one is oxytocin. And the fourth one is called uh, vesperin, I think. Vesopressin. I think I said it right. Dopamine and serotonin are generally the high of sex. It's the exhilarating feeling and then the peace, calm after. Oxytocin is what they call the bonding chemical, the bonding chemical. It's actually what is released between also between a mother and a child, like during nursing or, you know, even just husband.
kind of thing, just good, healthy, physical affection, releases oxytocin. It, it bonds people together. It bonds people together. It's, it's the glue. So what happens is, two people come together, they have that whew, exhilarating feeling, yeah, and the Lord did create that. And that pleasure is supposed to be in the context of a committed relationship where that oxytocin is released and two people are bonded together. The way God created it is that you would be bonded to one person for the rest of your life. The vesopressin, that actually is released only in men. The oxytocin is, is stronger in women than in men. But the vesopressin, I'm totally probably butchering that word, is released only in men or primarily, and it is the protective chemical. It releases in men that I will die for you mindset. So can you imagine how God has created this? Yes? Literally, it's Genesis 2, that the, they would join together, right, and become one flesh. And God has literally embedded this in our spirit, our soul, and even in our physical body, that we would literally come together and be bound together and experience that bonding over and over and over again. It's the way God intended it to be. That there will be loyalty. The problem, for example, with fantasy, earlier I said it's rooted in selfishness. It's outside of the context of relationship, right? Well, check this out. For example, like in pornography. One of the reasons why pornography is so addictive is because it is touching deeply at the core of our being and it is activating chemicals in people's minds. Because you're watching stuff or you're reading words that, il- that provoke strong images, right? Sometimes ladies read certain books or men too. Men are, you know, men are, are often, you know, the pornography nowadays is rampant. 75 plus percent of men is rampant with women. Uh, internet adultery affairs are on the rise. They're saying even like a... Uh, 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 a third of legislation, uh, I'm sorry, a third of, uh, I'm sorry, divorce litigation has to do with uh, internet affairs. It's on the rise. Because this stuff is such e- so easy access. But it's literally, this pornography, is literally like a drug for your mind. And when people get hooked to this stuff, you don't have to inject it. You don't have to pop a pill. Your body doesn't have to process it. It goes right into your eyes or your imagination and boom, hits the chemicals in your brain and gives you one of the greatest highs, dopamine and serotonin. It's activating that stuff because it's happening in your imagination. Here's what's really interesting though. Because it's not with a human being, there's no oxytocin released. There's no bonding chemical. And you know what it leaves? It leaves people deeply frustrated and empty. Still shame. Because there's been no bonding. See, this is what's going on. Lust is a fantasizing about these things outside of the context of relationship. It's selfish. What you're missing out on is the bonding. And what you're withholding from your, another is that bonding. And it leaves people empty. And it's a very, very addictive, dangerous thing. 
Not only that, things like premarital sex, what you're basically doing is you're coming together with another person, one flesh, right? At the deep core of your being. And then ripping that apart. When two people come together, let's say they're married and then they divorce, or they come together just for casual sex before marriage, like even cohabitation and such, they come together in one flesh, and then when they separate, it rips, it's a tearing of flesh. Now you can imagine what this going on, like for example with oxytocin, is instead of bonding to one person and letting that bond build and build and build, both in your soul as well as in your brain, but literally it's like, it's like, vel- it's like tape, undone, taping, undoing, taping, undoing, taping, undoing, and you start losing your stickiness. What's going on a lot of times is people who have had these affairs or who have had multiple partners, they lose the stickiness. You might still have the rush, but the deep bonding isn't there. And a lot of times people think the, pro- the problem is their partner. Because if you're addicted to these feelings, you're going to always be looking for it, right? See, a lot of single people think that marriage will solve their problems. Marriage will solve this addiction that I have with pornography or other forms of lust. It won't. It won't. But rather what's going on is you've so depleted these things inside of you, you're actually setting yourself up for a worst, a, a, a worse disappointment. And there's a lot of people in marriage because there's been sexual sin in their hearts or, or in, even in their own relationship, that their trust is broken and their soul is fractured. Sometimes if they think that the sex is the problem, they'll keep, they'll keep at the addiction, they'll keep at looking for a new partner. More than that, even I've said to you even another week, if you, even when two people, they sleep with each other before they're married, And then they get married. You say, well, now they're married. It's all good. Well, praise God, it is good. But they don't realize what they've done is laid their marriage on a broken foundation because they basically cheated on each other. They broke God's law. So, well, if you did it with me, I don't know you're not going to do it with somebody else. You break trust at the very core level of your relationship. See, Jesus, or uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 actually says that, um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6, he actually says that lust and sexual morality, he says that it's worse than other sins because you sin against your own soul. Sin against your own soul. See, many people don't realize that because of this bondage to this thing. You end up actually... You're basically hollowing yourself out, allowing yourself to come into bondage. A lot of times when people are struggling with this kind of thing, one of the things that they'll tell themselves, one of the lies, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm not hurting anyone. That's what they'll say. I'm not hurting anyone. You're just fantasizing in your mind. You're not hurting anyone, right? 
or no, even a, sp- a husband. Well, I'm not, I'm not hurting my wife. I'm not like lusting after another woman. I'm, I'm just uh, masturbating. I'm not hurting anyone. Actually, you are. You're sinning against your own soul. You're giving in to selfish desire and pleasure outside of relationship and responsibility. Not only are you withholding something from your spouse, you're not giving your spouse a gift. You're actually having selfish pleasure outside of the context of that relationship. It's not how God intended it. And so a lot of times, people will say, well, it's not that bad. We begin to tell ourselves that God doesn't see it, or other people don't see it, or that it's not hurting anyone. But it is. If anybody, it's hurting you. But not only that is, the pornography industry is worth billions of dollars. It eclipses all sports combined. And it is fueled by human trafficking. The buying and selling of souls which has eclipsed drug trafficking. I mean, huge industry is fueled by lust. Don't tell me it's not hurting anyone. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, oh no, 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 this is a big deal. And one of the things that we need, one of the strategies, is to discover the truth of how deadly this sin is. See, if we say, but it's a nice, cute snake. And would you just play with it? It's not going to bite me. Some cobra, you know, that has like poisonous venom. And you just, oh, play with it. And it's okay. My kids can play with it. Now it's going to bite you. It's going to kill you. You know, one of the strategies is to start to hate that snake, yeah? And to see that it is deadly and to get it out of your house, Right? We need to see the sin for what it is. We need to see that it will destroy you. In fact, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. Let me show you that. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 1. He says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Again, this is directed primarily to men. Doesn't mean that it couldn't apply to also women. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Let me pause there for a second. You notice what this, uh, this person is saying? This person is saying, listen to my words. Listen to my words. Listen to my instruction. You don't know where that path is headed. You've never gone down that path. You've never gone down that path before. And I'm telling you what's going to happen later in your life, right? Now, this is, this is good for young people, but even some of us who are older, maybe even as I go through this, some of you may have already experienced some of this brokenness. And Praise God for His healing and redemption. Amen? 
But listen, this is what the author is saying. Saying, listen to me and submit to my wisdom and listen to my correction before it's too late. And notice what he's saying. He's saying, because listen, listen, it's very tantalizing. I mean, do you realize that's what the media is doing, right? The media with commercials and TV are exploiting women and exploiting the natural drive or attraction that's in men. What was intended to bond me to my wife and cause me to love her and to give to her my strength, the media is trying to exploit and manipulate you and they do it well. And ladies, they're telling you, right? How you should be skinnier or this, that or the other thing, right? And some of the books out there and some of the stuff out there that you deserve better. And the media or these books paint a picture of a man, a husband, that will never be, you know? who's so attentive to your needs 100% of the time and is emotionally connected and all this stuff. And the media and the books want to paint this picture of a man that is fake and a woman that is fake to try to suck us in. I mean, men, nowadays when I drive down the street and I see like a billboard, I go, (laughs) yeah, it's all just computer animated anyways, right? It's not real. It's all fake. It's all fake. And even if it wasn't computer animated, it's still fake because it's outside of the context of a committed covenant. It's not real. It's not how God intended it to be. And so a lot of times we've been sucked in by this, literally what's being said here. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. It sounds good. looks good. The promise is good. A pleasure but it's fake. And our culture constantly wants to tell us that sex outside of marriage is pleasurable and wonderful and that you should do it and you got to test drive the car and all that. Do you realize what's wrong with that mindset? I mean, the world thinks that we're fools for not test driving the car, right? Somebody said that to me. Well, Dave, don't we need to test drive the car? You guys get the, you guys are Christians. So you probably don't get the metaphor, right? You've got to have... I'm joking around. You've got to have sex before marriage because you've got to make sure that you like the car you're driving. Okay, here's what I said to somebody one time. I said, you got to test drive the car. Huh. That's if it were a car. Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying that this other person is a product that you get to consumeristically test out, decide if you want to purchase. What do you do with a car? You use it and lose it. Huh? Do you get it? Even the metaphor is screaming. Lust, lust, use people, you're an object. Do you see what I'm saying? It's complete foolishness. But yet the world walks around thinking it's wise. My goodness. I mean, really, I should probably have been, I I could probably be finished with the sermon just by saying it's not love. Oh, oh, that's a good point, Dave. Okay. Okay. That's it. It's just not love. It's not faithfulness. That's what Jesus means by adultery. But listen to this. Here, how about the destruction? He's saying, listen to me. Now listen, listen. Notice in verse 6, lest you ponder her path. Lest you ponder her path. Some of you, you might think, well, I'm not like addicted to pornography. Yeah, but are you sitting there watching TV and pondering the path of these people? Are you meditating on things that you shouldn't be meditating on? Watching things you shouldn't be watching. Do you see that? Lest you ponder her path. Notice that it says, 
It says, remove your way far from her. Far from her. Far. Run. Flee. Get out of there. Why? Listen to this. Verse 9. Here's the warning. Here's the big one. This is the extreme, what could happen. right? But obviously, it may not happen to this degree forever. But listen to this. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth. And your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. You realize what this one is saying? It's saying that this lust, fantasy that leads to action, one of those things that you can fantasize, but it'll, it'll lead to more. It'll lead to action. It's saying that this kind of immorality and adultery, you will lose your honor. You will lose your wealth. And you will lose even your physical health. Isn't that interesting? Right there in verse 11, when your flesh and your body are consumed. Maybe... Sexually transmitted disease is being referred to. Maybe even just the fact that you have depleted things going on the way that God intended it to work. You depleted it. Let me tell you, you know, when people who get divorced, 10 years later, the majority of people who get divorces, they're still struggling financially. They say only 2 out of 10 ever find romantic love that they were thinking would happen. If I got a divorce, I'll find someone better. Most are still struggling emotionally. Most are still struggling financially. It's a train wreck. Look at what's going on in our, in our society when over half of the children in our society are living in fatherless homes. I mean, honestly, do you really think that it's the, that, do you really think it's the uh, elementary schools or the junior highs that are the problem? Do you really think that teachers are the problem? No, the teachers are great. I'm telling you, it's lust. That is destroying marriages. That is destroying homes. That is causing fatherlessness. That is depleting us of our strength and our wealth. Do you realize the government knows these statistics? And they're trying to encourage people to stay together. You want to know why? Because they know how much money society loses. See, they're motivated by the bottom dollar, right? I'm telling you, the statistics are right there. It's never good. I mean, maybe if there's abuse or something. Like, I mean, I mean, there would be like very rare, so I don't want to say never. And there are some scenarios where you need to, you know, the spouse is committing adultery, Jesus says, that that's separating. What I'm saying is, when people think, oh, this will solve my problem, <laughs> Now my needs will be met. No, no, it doesn't. What I'm trying to say is that one of the strategies, this isn't the only strategy, but one of the strategies is to expose that lie that this lust is not destructive. No, it is. And to actually feed ourselves on the consequences of this sin. Not because of condemnation, because the Lord wants to free us.
couple of the promises. When I was um, when I was younger, before I became a Christ follower, I was bound in this stuff. Bound in this stuff. You know, nowadays when I read about like these chemicals that, and these things in the brain, I'm reading from these scientists describing this stuff. I think, oh yeah, that's what Jesus did for me. He healed me. He delivered me. I didn't know that. That's what he was doing in my brain and stuff like that. But it's amazing. Here's what happens. I came to Christ. And I wanted to walk in freedom from this. I wanted to walk in purity. And I felt a tremendous amount of shame and emptiness and all that. I was struggling with other things. I had to cry out to God for freedom. I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be set apart for the Lord. I wanted to be honoring to God. I began to cry out to God. But I would just beat myself up all the time. You know? And those of you who struggle, it's like you can probably recognize you know, the shame and condemnation. I would struggle with this, right? Age 16, age 17, as a young man, I didn't know what to do. But I'm reading the word, I'm praying, I'm crying out to the Lord. Here's where, here's where the breakthrough began for me. Here's where the breakthrough began. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read this verse to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this. And he who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Here's this prayer, Paul's saying, I pray that God would sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body, like in every way, every aspect of your being, that you would become like Jesus. And then he says, and he who is faithful, he is faithful, he who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And right there is a young Christian, been struggling for months, uh, even though the Holy Spirit was in me and I, I was seeing some growth, but I just would beat myself up. And here's what happened. For the first time, I realized, and I, I, you know, the Lord basically spoke to me about this from here. He said that I want to do it, I want to set you free more than you want freedom. See, that changed everything. And listen, every time I've ever gotten breakthrough in my life, and, I, and I've been trying to share with you guys fear or anger or anything that's been going on in my heart, Every time I've gotten breakthrough, it always has begun when I believed that God wanted to do it more than I wanted to do it, that it was his will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And so right there in that verse, I began to realize, man, God wants this. He he doesn't need, I'm not trying to convince God to like, oh, please forgive me, please set me free. That's how I was thinking, right? No, 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 no. All of a sudden I realized, no, you love me. You died for me. You already shed your blood for me. You forgive me of every sin. But more than that, you want me to be whole. You want me to be blessed. You want me to be free. And you're trying to get this stuff out of me so that I can have a blessed marriage. You know, I was 17, so I'm thinking about that, right? You want me to be whole so that I can be of use to you in ministry, right? And the Lord began to show me. I'll tell you, when that clicked into my spirit, I stopped trying to beg God and beat myself up, and I began to do what we've been teaching you, began to stand on the truth of who I am in Christ. I began to realize there is no shame in Christ, right? Romans 8.1, one of the promises, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I began to stand on this promise. I'm calling out to you, God. You said he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm crying out to you, and you promised. You called me, and you said this is your will to sanctify me, spirit, soul, and body. I began to cry out to God and speak his promises back to him. And I began to search the Lord for these strategies. 
And then the Lord began to show me how to walk in purity and wholeness. And he would give me these strategies over here and these strategies over here. And he began to show me specific things that I, I needed to do. And I remember, like I've told you, as you're crying out to God and you're in the Word, the Lord's going to give you those strategies. We're going to show you how to not let sin reign in your mortal body and just be pushed around. He's going to show you how to push back. And that's what I began to learn how to do. For example, in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, just listen to this. It's not going to be on the screen. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, right there. Right there, it's exactly answering the question that you might have. God, how can I walk in purity? How can I cleanse my way? The Word of God. That if you'll take the Word of God and you'll flood your heart with the Word of God and you'll hide the Word in your heart by meditating the Word, by praying the Word, and holding on to the Word, allowing the, the, the warnings to paint a picture in your heart that says, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Maybe you're a man at work and you're starting to flirt with somebody at work. But the word's hiding in your heart. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go down that road. She's flattering you. She's flattering you. Or the other way around, right? He's flattering you to that wife. Don't go down that road. And you, when you hide the word in your heart, right there it says, how can I keep my way from sinning? How can I not sin against you? In, in your heart. Hide His Word. Hide those promises in the Word that say it's God's will for you to be free. Hide the Word in your heart that says that you are righteous and there's no condemnation. Hide that Word in your heart that says, don't go down that road. Don't play with fire. Don't play with that snake. It's going to bite you. Right? This is it right here. Another thing, one of those lies is that, that God's not enough. I'd say this is the big one. The lie is that God's not enough. That God's not enough for you, single man or single woman. Or that God's not enough for you. That this pleasure is better than God. It's, ta- it's, causing, it's allowing thing, that, that source of pleasure to be your idol. And literally, this sexual addiction, it is a chemical addiction. They're calling it, some, these people who do these studies, they're calling it a, a drug. It actually touches the part of your brain, the pleasure center, the reward center, the same place that cocaine and other drugs touch. And what's going on here is that what's happening is you're going to that thing for pleasure. But again, it's outside of relationship. What happens is you keep touching that pleasure center, and that part of your pleasure center gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and they have done studies. That part of your brain, it starts overriding the rest of your brain. This is why people, like when you're angry or like with lust, you will do the dumbest things. People will destroy relationships. People will make horrible decisions just for that fix with other drugs, but especially with this one, the sexual lust. To get that pleasure center. But other thing is, as your pleasure center grows, it reduces your ability to know to that sin. Most of the time, people who have been struggling with lust, they also want a quick fix. Isn't that ironic, yeah? I wonder why. Because they've so fed the pleasure center in their brain That to say no to it is extremely difficult. This is one of the reasons why the Bible tells us to put huge boundaries around this issue in our life. Like, 
like I just read in Proverbs 5, don't even go near her house. One of the greatest commands in the Bible about sexual sin is flee. That's all it says, flee. See, the problem is, those, those of you who may be addicted to sexual sin or maybe you, you know somebody, the problem is you've so fed the pleasure center in your brain that to say no to it, it feels like you're dying. You don't want the long road. Who, who, who wants to confess sin? Who wants the un, uncomfortableness of admitting that I have a problem, right? No, I'd rather stay hiding and keep pushing the pleasure center button, right? Who wants the pain of saying no and going cold turkey with those habits? This is exactly what needs to happen. Like Jesus said, do whatever it takes. Cut it off. Destroy that computer or, or put passwords on it. Get accountability. Get it into the open. Do whatever it takes. But guess what is screaming on the inside of somebody who's addicted to the fantasy world? They don't want to. They just want a quick solution. But the only way to get free is to get hardcore, to get intense, to go cold turkey, to get the accountability, to put the boundaries in place, and basically to starve that pleasure center, to allow it to get smaller as you submit your will under the will of God and bring that thing into a place where it's supposed to be. What Jesus means by dying to self. It's not the only thing, but it, it's part of it. So a lot of the strategies, they might look like rules to other people, but for me, they look like boundaries that help me to get myself in control. Now, what's one of those lies? One of the lies is, well, I, I, I can't have self-control. No, what does the Word say? For I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, or literally self-control, right? That God is with you, and He's going to help you. These are the kind of promises we need to build our hearts in. But also, let me hold out this promise to you. Psalm 16. At the end of Psalm 16, King David says, There is fullness of joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. God is... Can you imagine you were created to enjoy God and to enjoy your spouse? And God literally wants you to submit yourself to Him so that He can come and He can satisfy you with His joy in His pleasure, His godly pleasure in His presence. Matthew 5, Jesus makes this promise. Blessed is he who is pure in heart, for he will see God. See, one of the most deadly things about lust is that it's keeping your heart cluttered and your soul shattered so that you can't connect with the Lord in the way that God wants you to. I don't mean that He doesn't love you. I just mean that you're experiencing Him. But as you set those things aside and you become desperate for God to meet your needs instead of that idol, God will come and He wants to meet that need. This is the key for those of you who are single. You're saying, what, am I supposed to be a starving person until, until I get married? No, believe me, marriage will not solve that. You need to allow the Lord to satisfy you in the deep core of your being. With His value of you, with His presence, with His joy, with His pleasure, with the encountering of His presence, for the pure in heart will see God. But also, in Proverbs chapter 5, there's another strategy. And he goes on and he says, in Proverbs chapter 5, he says, verse 15, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets. Let 
only your own, not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. And it goes on. One of the great strategies in marriage is to continue to enjoy one another. That's what I said earlier about masturbation. To say no, men, to say no, no, let them only be ours. Or let them only be ours. That you save yourself in the context of marriage. No pornography, no immorality through media or any means in the home. The, uh, Hebrews 13 says, let the marriage bed be kept pure and be honored by all. That what you're doing is you're saying, you're saying, no, Lord, we're going to do it your way and we're going to enjoy one another. Why? Because it's love. Lust is itself. Lust is it's outside of the context of the relationship. Love is that it's us. Mutual serving one another and mutual enjoying one another. That's a strategy. Do you see that? That's a strategy right there. There's a lot of strategies here, and there is more. But what I've tried to go after is I've tried to expose that lust is a sin, and it is very destructive. I've tried to go after today and expose to you how deadly that sin is and the root issues of the lies, that we're believing lies about God, that He's not going to satisfy us. We're believing lies about what marriage and sex is. We're believing lies about these things. And the Lord wants to expose those things so you can embrace the truth, the truth that he'll satisfy you, the truth that God will bring you that spouse. Those of you who are waiting on the Lord for that, God says if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. The Lord wants to do that, but it means trusting him and delighting in him, and waiting on the Lord. And that in the context of marriage, that the Lord wants to bless. He wants to bless that marriage bed as you trust him and do it his way, Okay? So this is what the Lord wants to do in us. And whether it's sexual morality or any other form of selfishness, we want our hearts to be pure, amen? Envy, greed, lust, anything where we're desiring something of ourselves that doesn't bring honor to God and doesn't bless other people. Yeah? Amen? So no matter where you're at as you're listening to this, let's bring our hearts to the Lord and ask the Lord for purity in our hearts, amen? Purity in any area. Purity in any area. And I just want you to know that if, if you've been this person that maybe you realize, boy, I have brought destruction to my family, to my kids. Not only can the Lord heal you and restore you, He will. And maybe even right now you're struggling. And I know, shame wants to come in there and say you're not worthy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He died for you, yeah? He loves you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be free. The only reason the Bible brings this stuff up, and the only reason I'm talking about it, is because God loves you and wants you whole. And so even right now, today, there is hope of restoration. There is hope of freedom. Today's a new day. And it's simply the invitation that the God always gives every time we talk about these things. The invitation to repent. The invitation to cry out to God and to invite Him in. Amen? Now, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. I mean, you've not made Him your Lord. The first step to freedom is making Jesus your Lord. The Bible says that if we'll believe that God raised Him from the dead... And that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we'll be saved. Meaning all of our sins forgiven. It really is that simple. Receiving His forgiveness and then embracing His Lordship. And that's simply what we're doing today. Those of you who have been Christ followers, you say, for years I've been Christ follower. Amen. We're embracing His forgiveness afresh. Amen. And we're embracing His Lordship afresh today. Amen. So stand with me and let's pray. And let's respond to God. And let's embrace this from Him.